Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, guys? It's your boy, Anthony, back with another edition of the Fourth Man Podcast. Thank you again to everyone who's tuned in and hope the offseason has been going super well for everybody involved in the Big Three community. As you see from the title of the video or if you're just listening to this on, on the podcast, we got a dope episode today, a dope interview with co-captain of Enemies, Isaiah Austin. And this is an interview I've been wanting to do for a really long time. I just think he has such a unique and interesting story. He's a, you know, as he mentions it time and time again, a one in a lifetime, you know, generational talent within the basketball world. So super cool to hear kind of his background on getting to the big three and also his experience and, and what he's doing, not only playing in the big three, but also as a professional, uh, for those of you who don't know, he works in the NBA. So cool to hear about that stuff. Uh, it's a really dope interview, cool conversation, cool dude. And we're going to get into all that. Before we get into the interview, make sure you're following the show on all social media at 4th Man Pod, 4th Man Pod, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, be able to update you guys throughout the offseason on what's going on within the big three, as well as any updates that's coming on for the 2023 season. We saw Jeff Kwanowitz kind of hint at some big news that's coming on the horizon. So definitely we'll update you guys on that uh, through the you know audio version or video version as well. But the first place you'll probably see it is any kind of social media working on some different videos. So make sure you check us out over there. Again, we're, we're trying some new things. So we're going to try to do some YouTube shorts here soon. So make sure you're subscribed, hit that notification bell, uh, youtube.com slash fourth man pod. You can also see all the, the visual versions of the podcast over there. And for those of you tuning on Dash Radio and the Nothing But Net channel, we appreciate you guys as always tuning in on Saturday and Monday. And I know... I said, you know, we'll get to the Isaiah Austin interview real quickly. But one thing I want to do is give a quick shout out to a couple of guys, a couple of big three bets within the league on some huge milestones and accomplishments that they were just honored with or, you know, achieved here recently. First being David Hawkins, longtime, you know, OG of the big three has been playing since 2017. He's played in every single season. He's played for Three's Company. He's played for Tri-State. He's he's played for three's company twice and then most recently he he's part of the trilogy team that won a championship a team that he was actually a co-captain of back in 2019 david hawkins was named to the the temple athletics hall of fame as part of the 2022 class so just want to give a huge congratulations to him during david's time at temple he was a 2000 point scorer which he's only one of four players to do that at temple in the men's basketball side he also helped the team get to an elite eight appearance back in the early 2000s as a freshman he dominated as a senior and won a lot of championships overseas so just huge shout out to the hawk he's been such a staple in this league and i think a lot of people forget about you know his impact and and honestly if we refer back to 2018 his dominance in this league he was an mvp runner-up back with tri-state on a team that included amari stoudemire nate robinson jermaine o'neal so you know, Dr. J let him flourish and he's been a stable to this league for a long time and glad he got a championship as well. But even more excited uh, that, you know, your alumni is appreciating 
and acknowledging, you know, what you did at Temple. So congrats, Hawk. Um, you know, well-deserved. The other guy I want to give a shout out to is another OG vet, Xavier Silas, who just got a head coaching gig with the Wainabu Mets. Man, I hope I said that right. Wainabu Mets of the BSN League in Puerto Rico. He just was named a head coach. He's been an assistant coach in the G League since 2019 for both the Motor City Crews as well as the Delaware Bluecoats, Blue so the Sixers and the Pistons G League affiliates. So now getting a head coaching opportunity in a, a league that's really talented and star-studded. I know a few big three guys actually played in that league at some point in time. I'm trying to think of someone most recently. I, I think that Justin Demons played in that league. Ronaldo Balkman, who played in the league last year, he's played in that league, uh, you know, I think multiple times. So anyways, going back to X, huge congratulations. You know, Xavier's left his imprint on this league in a number of fashions. You know, he's part of a big or the first big three trade that ever occurred between Ballhawks and Tri-State being drafted. He was, you know, drafted in the first ever draft in the big three at number four overall to Tri-State and then was subsequently traded to Ballhawks in that trade between Jermaine O'Neal and Brian Scalabrini back in the day. So it was part of the first ever trade. He was the second player ever to go from the big three to an NBA or, you know, get an NBA contract after playing in the big three. And he got a 10 day with the Celtics, by the way. And he also won a championship with power in 2018. So he's accomplished a lot in this league. It, you know, from the outside looking in, it looks like he's making strides, uh, you know, as a coach for within the G League. I know Delaware was doing pretty good while he was there. Might have even won a chip at the time um, as one of the assistant coaches. So, you know, just continuing to grow around the game of basketball. Just want to give a huge shout out to another OG vet, Xavier Cyrus. Very well deserved. And best of luck to you on your first head coaching gig down there in Puerto Rico. All right. We got all the shout outs out of the way. We'll just get straight to it. Pretty short first half of the episode. So thanks again for everyone listening. Make sure that you're following on all social media, subscribed on YouTube, and let's get to our interview with the unicorn, Isaiah Austin. But real quickly, before we get to Isaiah, I want to tell you guys quickly about Drip. If you haven't heard of Drip, Drip is a live streaming platform where you can buy and sell a multitude of items like sports cards, Pokemon cards, Funko Pops, sports memorabilia, pretty much anything you can collect, you name it. All of that can be found in one centralized location. And right now, if you download the app using my link in the description, you can get $15 off your first purchase of $20 or more anywhere on Drip. Look, guys, just like the big three is doing for basketball, Drip is trying to change the game for all types of collectors out there, whether it's sports or anything else in the world. So make sure you use my link in the description to download the app today and get $15 off your first purchase and check out Drip. It's pretty dope. But that being said, now, I promise you guys, now, here's Isaiah Austin. Today, we're excited to welcome on Big Three All-Star and also co-captain of Enemies, Isaiah Austin. Isaiah, again, appreciate the time and welcome to the fourth man. Yeah, no doubt, man. I appreciate you having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I think everyone's pretty familiar with your story, but I do want to talk a little bit about your journey before you actually got to the Big Three. Just a little bit. Um, first thing I want to touch on really is kind of like Baylor as a whole. There's a few guys that come from Baylor, um, but just overall in general the love you guys show each other on social media and even in person you guys just seem like such a tight-knit family and by you guys i mean like the baylor community and the baylor basketball team what do you think it is about baylor that makes everyone 
you know, so quick, so close and such like a supportive, tight knit family. Scott Drew. I mean, when I was there, it was Jerome Tang as well. Um, Paul Mills, uh, you know, uh, those guys, Coach Nunez, um, Coach Charlie, our weight coach. You know, we had a whole bunch of guys, Coach Mack. I mean, Maloney, everybody, every each and every one of those coaches were just like guys who are just genuinely care about you, you know, as a person. And I feel like that that just carried around to the culture that um, it brought around Baylor, you know, and, and that's what drew players into it because they were just so genuine and, you know, they really showed that they cared about you, um, you know, as a man first, more than a basketball player. Man, that's amazing. I think that shows just by all the people or all the players that have gone on to have, you know, for successful professional careers, but also too, just like, you know, the brotherhood that you guys have formed. I think that really shows. And I think it all starts with leadership. So that's really cool to, cool to see. Um, you know, kind of going past your college career. Again, I think a lot of people know your story. Uh, you know, you're, you play blind. You have one, your right eye, you're blind in your right eye. And then you also were diagnosed with Marfan syndrome leading up to the draft. I was kind of looking back at some old interviews you did when you first got cleared to actually play after Marfan syndrome. I think it was with Kat, Cassie Athena. Um, and you talked a little bit about your mom being your rock and it made you kind of emotional thinking that you're going to finally get to be able to play in front of her. Um, I want to ask you about like your first game professionally after you were cleared and was she in attendance by chance? But what was that feeling like with that first game professionally be like after being cleared? Uh, yeah, no, my mom wasn't there, uh, for my first game. Um, I was actually in Serbia, um, but it was, it was a surreal moment. Um, I think I only played like nine or 10 minutes. I was in Europe at the time. Um, I really didn't understand what Europe was, but, you know, at the time, uh, I was kind of disappointed in it, but I played, I played well. Um, I had a nice, nice little season when I was out there in Serbia, but I decided to go towards the Asia route, um, after that season. Yeah, I think, but even so, you know, that first year in Serbia, like the success is just getting back on that court and getting familiar. So a huge milestone there. Um, you you go on to play, you know, five years overseas, which I think is super dope. You got to travel the world, still, you know, live out your dream to play professionally and whatnot. Um, I've always kind of wondered, you know, kind of reading on some old articles and stuff. I know there were some hesitations with some leagues signing you just with what, what you were diagnosed. But after playing for so long, you know, dominating, playing well, I mean, shit, you're a mismatch in probably any league you go to. But just wanted to know, was there ever a time where you – where like an NBA team or a Euroleague team came calling, uh, you know, after they saw you playing for a little bit and we're like, okay, well, you know, seems healthy. He's playing well. Why don't we just bring him in and see what he can, you know, ultimately provide for our team. Um, at the time I did have a few team, high level teams in Europe that wanted me, but uh, they were kind of, you know, a little bit low balling me. Um, I did early when I first found out about uh, that I was going to be clear that I did have a few, a lot of NBA teams actually asked me to, to be able to come and work out, but um, because of uh, what the NBA lawyers had said at, during that time, uh, they just thought it was going to be too big of a liability for me to even play in the league. So, uh, you know, that never came to fruition. But, um, you know, a lot of Europe teams had hit me, but at that time, you know, I was chasing the money there. To be honest, that's why I went for sure. the Asia route. Um, I had, my son was born with me in Serbia, um, you know, so me and my fiance, you know, we, we wanted to make a steady life for my son. So uh, we kind of talked about it and decided that we wanted to go the age route. 
Man, that's amazing. Um, you know, while it does suck that necessarily you didn't get to play uh, in the NBA, it's still amazing that you had, you know, a long career. And also, too, like, I think it's so important, like you said, you're chasing money. But um, it's so it's so cool to see, like, I guess, like, your generation and even a few guys that are older than you just, like, understanding, like, what the overseas route involves now and then, like, trying to warn or educate, you know, the next generation as they're going overseas. I feel like I hear that a lot. Guys writing books or, you know, making educational videos. So I think that that's cool. And I'm glad you got the opportunity. And what's really cool, too, is, like, you know, one league that, again, uh, brought you in was the Big Three. You now just finished up your second season in the Big Three. But I want to take it back to, to last year before you even dra drafted. First and foremost, how did the Big Three opportunity come about for you, and, and why were you intrigued? Um, so I was actually – I had first noticed the Big Three, uh, rest in peace to my dog, Andre Emmett, when he was in it. Um, and I remember I was questioning him about it, asking him about it. But at that time, they had an age limit. Um, and then it, once I found out that the my first year, that was the first year that they were going to lower the age limit so they can get a lot of younger players in there. Um, I had reached out to to them, and they had told me that I can come to the, uh, the combine. So um, I was actually playing in the Dominican Republic that time. So I flew home um, into Vegas to play in the combine. And then I played well in front of people. And, uh, you know, I, it ended up turning into me becoming a number one draft pick. So, um, you know, I was just excited to be able to play in America again, you know, because my whole career I've been playing overseas. Um, the only time I actually played in America while I was a pro was when I played in the TBT. And so this gave me another opportunity to be able to play, like, an actual full season at home. Yeah, for sure, like a guaranteed season. Because I know the TBT, it's like – you never know how far you're going to get for sure. And and like you said, rest in peace to Dre. With, I, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you're a, you're a Texas guy. You know, Dre's from the Dallas area. What was your relationship like with uh, with Andre? And again, rest in peace to his soul. He was like a big brother, you know, to me. Um, you know, he was kind of one of those guys who always just instilled that that hard work and, and desire into my game. You know, I mean, every time we was on the court, especially when I was younger, he would kick my ass, you know. He was one of those type guys, you know. Mm -hmm. he, he he showed he showed me love. He showed everybody in Dallas love. It was a tragedy, you know, to see what happened to him. Um, but, you know, my personal relationship with him, you know, he was one of those guys who I looked up to. You know, I, I wanted to be able to score the ball like him. You know, I wanted to be able to play in Korea. I remember when he was out there, I was reaching out to him like, man, how can I get out there? You know, I kind of wanted to follow in his footsteps. Um, I never ended up actually playing in career, but I ended up playing in Lebanon where he played and the Dominican where he played, you know. Um, so I was able to follow a little bit of his path, but he was just one of those guys who always and continuously, you know, put positive vibes into every basketball player um, around the DFW area, you know. And, um, you know, he's just one of those competitors that everybody just loved playing against. No doubt. I think you all you hear is positive things from Andre. So, you know, from all of his peers and, you know, not to sound too corny, but I'm sure he you weren't the only person to ask. He busted, obviously, as we saw in the big three, he's gone crazy, especially in that 2018 season when he took him to the title after after BD went down. So, yeah, again, yeah. rest in peace. That's really cool that, he, uh, you know, the influence he left on, like you being able to talk about him so much. Um, just amazing to see. Kicking it back to draft night real quickly. Obviously, you had a great combine that led you to you being the number one pick. But would love to know kind of the 
if you had any conversations prior to that draft about going number one, because a lot of the lead up from the outside looking in was Nick Young's coming in, might bring his boys in to be a co-captain. Um, we had heard that he was a really good friend with Jordan Hill and that he was going to go number one. So I wanted to know from your perspective, what were some of the early conversations that you might have had with different teams, maybe even including enemies? So I initially I, I didn't know, you know, I was talking with my agent because uh, he actually came to watch and it was crazy because me That's and cool. Justin Denton were actually uh, on the combine yeah, team together. You know, we was killing everybody. I, uh, I remember I think, that. Yeah, I think we ended up losing one game. Some some guy was going crazy from the four-point line. Um, but we had one like seven straight. So every time we was playing on the court, you know, kind of like the crowd was just gravitating towards us and everything. Mm -hmm. um, but me and JD, we were kind of talking like there's no way we're not going to get drafted, right? Because we didn't we didn't know how the draft was going to go. We kind of knew that everybody had their homeboys that they were going to possibly draft, you know, um, if people were going to draft, you know, just from from likeliness or, you know, guys who had that NBA stamp on them, you know, and things like that. But uh, when it came down to it, I think it was like the day before um, Nick had actually texted me. He was like, he was like, congratulations. And I was like, congratulations, like, what you mean? And he was like, he was like, you going one, motherfucker. So I was like, all right, cool, cool. So um, the, the whole next day, right, I'm like, I text Nick, I was like, man, you're not bullshitting me, right? And then um, the big three actually hit me up to, to get me on, like, the camera and everything. Um, and then draft day came, and I was number one. So, uh, you know, I was, I was real happy about that. Yeah, that's dope. Uh I think even too on our live stream we had Dante call it out. He's like, he's like, I pick Isaiah Austin, and if I, if I had the number one pick, and so like I think everyone's just on it. Like you said, people were gravitating to, uh, towards you guys toward the comp. The crazy part is JD didn't even get selected. I mean, everything worked out, but yeah, but he didn't even get drafted. I mean, he was right. the best guard at the combine by far. He was mm -hmm. killing. Yeah, that's what I remember, yeah. too. Uh, I have, like, a funny clip from him. I can't remember what he said. But, yeah, I, that was pretty nuts. But I guess everything, uh, you know, happened for a reason. It works out the way it does. Uh, really cool draft story. Um, must have been kind of surreal to be drafted and actually get to, you know, you play for that team. You go in week one. You guys are the first game of the season in, the, in your first game against Power. And it looked like when you came out in your first big three game, you are just there to set a tone, right? Like, you dropped 24 and 7. You and Royce have a little bit of back and forth. Obviously, it didn't end in the way you wanted to, but you, I, I feel like you and enemies left a statement there, but you most importantly, you know, what were, were you trying to leave any kind of like imprint in your first game, um, you know, coming into that that first game? Uh, I mean, I was just trying to play, you know. Like, I, <laughs> I, anytime I get on the court and, and, and it's time to bump, you know, I want to be the big dog. You know, I, I want to be the honcho on the court at all times. So, no um, you know, I, I came out there, you know, excited. My nerves was going crazy. You know, I had never really played on American soil like that. You know, I had my whole family in Vegas actually come come out to watch me um, as well. So I was real nervous, but um, I just wanted to come out and play hard, man. Show people, you know, that like I'm I'm a one of one, you know, type type talent in the world. You know, even though I never stepped foot in the league, um, you know, I'm I'm still a one of one talent. So um, I think I did show that the first game. Yeah, no doubt. You definitely did. You did definitely didn't look nervous. Um, you know, from this end for sure. Um, gotta ask you about, kind of, you, you know, Nick being the captain, Gil being the coach. What that dynamic is like, and 
you being amongst all that, you know, what, what is that, what do they, you know, ultimately bring to the team and, and what's that like, you know, being a part of the team with those guys? They just make it comfortable for us, you know, um, even though both of our seasons have been a little bit down, you know, and a little bit of disappointment, you know, those guys keep our morale high, you know, they always juggling with each other in, in the locker room, you know, they always telling, telling us, you know, that we can keep winning the next game, even if we lose, you know what I'm saying? Like it's always positive reinforcement, but, I've never seen any any two people have, you know, uh, a relationship like Nick and Gil have. You know, those dudes are kind of crazy, man. They they some funny, they some funny individuals, but it just goes back to them knowing each other, having that building that relationship. You know, Gil was um Nick's vet when he came into into the league and everything. So um I was just glad to be able to be around, you know, two two legendary basketball players. Yeah. What's what's the conversation between them like? when you're winning on the uh, the sideline and then when you're losing, losing like, you know, does, does anything change or are they both kind of just still those same two guys? It's about to, it's the same thing. <laughs> if, we, if we, if we, if we win, it's jokes. And if we lose, it's jokes. Well, y'all getting y'all ass kicked on national television. How you going to react? And well, look at us. We finally getting a win. <laughs> now we're not going to be the laughing stock of the league. You know what I'm saying? So, um, is that Gil know, saying that or is that Nick saying that? That's Gil, man. Okay, Nick, calling Nick fat, you know, calling me soft, calling Nick fat, you know. He he just he go Gil go around and just be Gil, you know. He just talk shit all the time. He don't mean no harm by it, but that's sure. who he is. <laughs> yeah, like one of my favorite things to to watch on his social media is just like the constant. I don't even know if it's beef anymore because I think Kwame is just kind of like done. But like just like, the <laughs> shit that Gil brings up about Kwame is Gil like out of the to, blue. Gil be trying to fry that man any chance you get, man. It's all jokes. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> nah, I did too for sure. Um, you know, not the season you wanted in that first year, uh, and ultimately for you, you get a, you get a chance to have a career in the NBA. Um, you know, you kind of wrapped up your overseas career, but you do, you do decide to come back to the big three for year two. Um, what was the biggest reason behind, you know, wanting to come back for a second season? Uh, I just wanted to play. You know, I, I, I retired actually from the game overseas. So um, I just wanted to get my feet wet again, man. Just, okay. You know, get out there and bump and, you know, just show people that, you know, even though I'm, I'm working a desk job right now with the league, you know, I, I still got some bumps in me. For sure. I got a little yeah. worried when uh, I heard that you were retiring. I was like, man, one and done. Like you said, like you're a one-on-one talent, one and done. That's all we got. But I, I was glad to see you back for the second season. Yeah. Uh, productive season. And honestly, really good start. Y'all got off to that two and one start. Y'all y'all beat power. who made it all the way to the championship game. Um, you know, enemies hasn't had a great start since the, their inception in 2019, but you guys got off to the first two and one start ever in enemies franchise like history. Uh, obviously things didn't ultimately end in the way you wanted to, but what do you feel like was the biggest factor to help you guys get to that two and one start? And do you feel like you guys, or what do you feel like you guys got away from that, you know, kind of led to some of those losses down the stretch? Uh, I feel like certain parts of the, of the season, you know, we just wasn't playing how we, how we could have played. Um, you know, I could have contributed more on the scoring end for us. Um, uh, you know, Nick, he came in playing real well um you know early for us you know and then then he kind of slowed down a little bit as well but um i just think you know it was just our 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 confidence or something man like we was we would get down and then all of a sudden we get down and we just stay down we wouldn't fight back so 
you know, next year, you know, when we play, we got to make sure that we just fight the whole game because, you know, the games only go to 50, but at the same time, you know, it's it's the same amount of talent on every team. You know, Mm -hmm. anybody can win any night. Yeah, and that last bucket, I feel like, is is sometimes the hardest to to get to drop. So, um, yeah, yeah, just having that mindset, I think, uh, will go a long way for you guys. But I think another reason, too, right, is that, I mean, Elijah obviously – got a chance to play in the summer league. He was having a phenomenal start to the year and then missed three games. Um, and I bring him up because I feel like a lot of time, like a lot of, we give a lot of love to Briscoe and rightfully so, right? Fourth man of the year, two-time champion as being one of like those young guys that has really excelled in this league. But um, don't feel like we give a, enough love to like what Elijah's done in this league um, for enemies and the time he's been there. You know, what can you say about his game and, and you know, just playing alongside him, uh, you know, with enemies? That motherfucker is special talent, man. I mean, For like sure. he's 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 one of those guys who can just make an impact on any team that he's on. You know, that's why he's been so successful overseas. You know, um, I was actually in Vegas. I wish that he would the uh, the Pelicans would have played him a little bit more, um, because when he did play, you know, he made a huge impact on the court. He's just one of those guys who just always brings energy. You know, he can guard multiple positions. He's a freak athlete. He can shoot the ball. And he can put the ball on the floor. So, um, you know, I, I think he doesn't get enough credit as well. Um, I think that really hurt us, you know, not not having him on the on the team as well um, going going on in the season. But, you know, uh, hopefully next year we'll have him back. Yeah, no doubt. I feel like he was out of college. He was like deemed like a shooter mostly. But in this league, I've seen nothing but him just like being able to do everything like you said. So incredibly special hopefully you know he gets to play the full season but um I gotta ask you you did uh you know one thing you did do is lead the league in blocks you feel like you were snubbed from the the deep boy award or you feel like Earl rightfully deserved that one uh nah he definitely deserved it man okay. I mean he he was he was number one in steals as well you mm-hmm. know and then number two in blocks so uh I don't want to take nothing away from him because that guy's a killer um you know but I definitely was if if they didn't cut us out for the bottom half of the season for our last two games, I definitely was gonna, you know, shatter that block that block record. So, you know, that was kind of my goal. I had told Quincy Miller before the season, I was like, Man, like I, I wanna show people, you know, that I could really, you know, be a rim protector and, and, and guard the rim. Cause I don't feel like I didn't feel like my first year in the big three I was really blocking shots like that. And uh, you know, that's what kind of, I was kinda of known for coming out of high school and, and at Baylor. And playing overseas, you know, I have three three countries where I won defensive player of the year overseas, you know. So I kind of told Q Miller, like, I was like, man, I'm gonna show everybody, you know, I still I still got that dog and like, you know, I'm not afraid to jump with anybody at the rim. Like uh, I'm not giving no gifts to nobody. So um, you know, I, I feel like if I would have played all eight games, I definitely would have came out with 17, 18 blocks. Yeah, for sure. Like just like inches away from breaking that. But but like you said, more success. Uh, and hopefully a full season will lead to you breaking that next year. Uh, for you guys and enemies, you guys, you guys are with aliens making the playoffs this year. Um, however, however it happened, you know, they did make the playoffs. But for you guys with enemies, you're not one of three teams that haven't made the playoffs yet uh, with Ball Hogs and also Bivouac. What do you feel like for you guys? Like, what do you feel like you guys need to do next year in order to kind of get over that hump and ultimately be able to compete for a championship? Oh. Uh... Like we just need to come out how we came out the first three games, you know, and, and keep that momentum all all throughout the season. You know, we can't let one one loss drag us down because 
you know, everybody in the, in the league is a pro, you know, a pro is pro. So, you know, if we lose one game, it's all right. We got to just shake back and win the next one. Yeah. And now you're a co-captain for a very long off team for, for the big three. So maybe I'm sure a couple of guys have maybe reached out to you, but maybe you have a couple of guys in mind to maybe add to the draft or to draft next year that could maybe help you guys out. I don't know if that's crossed your mind at all, but, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, got it's a little bit of authority. So, yeah, we got a, we got a long we got a long way to go until next season, but mm -hmm. uh, it's definitely something we need to talk about. No doubt. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, you, you were an all star. You're one of the first all stars ever in this league. You got a chance to play in Atlanta in an all star game. I was actually in Atlanta, and honestly, uh, probably the best big three event I've been to. Big um, huge show out. Like, out. I loved it. Yeah, like the not only was the crowd ridiculous, but like just star studded, like celebrities. Uh, the celebrity game was there. Two chains pulled up. Great, and you know, great end of the season. And the All Star game was dope. What were your thoughts on the All Star game and just like the event in Atlanta? Man, I thought it was a blast. Man, I actually, you know, thought you know I didn't really know how the how the the turnout was going to be. You know, because mm -hmm. sometimes you know in some of these cities we don't we didn't we weren't getting really crazy turnouts. You know. I feel like the big three always had more turnouts, uh, more fans when they traveled city to city, you know. And um, when I found out I was going to Atlanta, you know, uh, I kind of knew that it was going to be a little bit like that, that there was going to be a big crowd. So that's a basketball city. You know, they're just a sports town. You mm -hmm. know, they love they love baseball, basketball, football, you know. And um, I, I saw when they had the celebrity game lined up, I was like, okay, yeah, I, I know we're going to get a nice crowd out here today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, NLE Choppa and, and Gilly going, were going nuts, so that was pretty funny too. But I hope the the league, you know, finally after you know a couple seasons, they get to travel again from city to city. I think that's what when the big crowds turned out, it's like a one in a lifetime experience. And I don't know, I think the tour kind of made it more fun, more so than just playing in the same city time and time again. Yeah, I'm sure, especially like the first year, you're just like, dang, like. <laughs> like you guys spent what like seven six seven weeks in vegas like i'm sure you were just tired of being in vegas after so long no vegas was cool it's just you know it, it, it's tough to compete with all the entertainment that's already in vegas you know for sure for sure uh i went to that vegas uh one of the vegas events and uh yeah had a tough time getting up that morning let's just say so <laughs> for sure um one thing I got to mention, you you mentioned that, you know, you get a chance to play stateside. Now, you know, not only does your mom get to see you play, your wife gets to see you play, but your your son also gets to see you play. What's, I mean, can you kind of just talk about, like, just the surreal moment of, like, like looking back at everything. You thought for a second that you weren't going to play professionally, and now you're getting the chance to play in front of your son. Like, what 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 can you say about just, like, the experience and the journey and, and now, like, looking at it from this moment? It just all comes full circle, man. Like, you know, I, I never decided to quit. I never decided to give up. And, uh, you know, God had blessed me with another opportunity to be able to enjoy what he had blessed me with the, the first time. So um, you just can't give up hope. You can't give up faith. And, uh, you know, you just got to walk in your journey and your path and things will turn out uh, for you at the end. So um, that's all I can say, man, is just, you know, it, it all comes back full circle at the end of the day. For sure, because you got to say that course. Quickly, want to touch on your your desk job now at the NBA. Uh, you got a chance to uh, now work for the NBA. I, I guess you know what what is your job within the NBA right now, and ultimately, what are you hoping to do within the league? Yeah, so um, I work in the front office with player development. 
Um, basically, we're focused on player interest. You know, when I say player development, most people think that we're on court, but we're not on court. You know, we work on player interest outside of basketball. Um, we help develop programs for guys who are, um, you know, retired guys or guys who are heading out of the league or guys who just have interest points and um, other things outside of basketball and help them find a way to be able to transition um, away from basketball when the time is right um, so they're not struggling, basically. What do some of those things, like, I guess, include? Do they include, like, courses or more so just, like, is it, like, an educational learning? Um, yeah, we we have courses. We have programs where got, people can actually, like, participate in. Uh, for instance, the, uh, the assistant coaches program. Um, this year we're actually going to call it the coaches development program. Um, but, like, if you had NBA or G League experience or W uh, experience, there's an opportunity for you after your career is done or even if your career is, is still going on overseas for you to enter this program where basically we put you in opportunities to be able to learn about coaches, uh, about the coaching side, learn about the business of basketball. Um, you know, we teach people how to use synergy, game plan, um, things like that, you know, to help them prepare for if they want to step into that coaching realm. So this year we had uh, actually Candace Dupree, uh, who actually just got a job with the San Antonio Spurs with Coach Pop. Um, she was a candidate in the ATP program. Um, we also had Booby Jackson with us, Lorenzo um, Alawaku. They both got um, some G League jobs. So, you know, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of people that go through the program um, who actually land in, in either the G League or the NBA or, or the W, you know, somewhere with coaching um, who come through the program. So, we do a lot of things like that. We also have like a Harvard program for people who want to go back to school, you know, and just anything that players want, we're, we'll try to make a way for them to be able to go through that avenue, basically. Man, that's amazing. Wait, you have a Harvard program? Does that mean if they go to that school, they have a Harvard degree? Um, I'm not sure um, <laughs> about that. That's pretty dope, know, honestly. I know that there's a, there's a Harvard program, yeah. Okay, that's pretty dope. And for you, are you trying to be a coach? Or are you trying to work in the front offenses sub capacity, or is it more so just trying to stay around basketball? Um, you know, I I don't want to go the coaching route. I actually participated in the assistant coaches program um, this year. I had actually a few opportunities to choose, you know, a different job, um, but I decided I wanted to stay with player development just because of the fact that I like helping people, you know, and um, I feel like this job is just it's really centered around, you know, being selfless and, and thinking about other people, you know, more than you think about yourself. So um, if I'm able to help the next person, you know, then I'm, I'm happy. For sure. No doubt. That's, that's really sick. A uh, couple more questions. Uh, I, I want to touch on real quickly, kind of like quick hitters. First one being if there's for next year, is there somebody that you'd like to see in the big three that hasn't played in the big three yet? Who would it be? Mm, that hasn't played in the big three yet, who would it be? As you know, the league's getting a little bit more talented. Jamal year Crawford. Year oh, that'd be sick. I feel that like every be, year. That would trying. be crazy. <laughs> he's come out and said that he he's not going to do it, but maybe someone can push him over, over the yeah. hump. That'd be sick. Uh, second question being, if you could describe your style um, and and your game, to somebody maybe that's not familiar with with you for for some odd reason, uh, how would you describe that? Um, 
the unicorn before the actual unicorn was drafted. Um, now nah, I would say, you know, I'm just, I do it all. You know, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a position player. I call myself a ball player. You know, I handle the yeah. rock. Um, I really have some of the best handles, you know, ever for a seven footer, you know, behind Kevin Durant. I think that's, that's the only other person who I could think who could really put the ball on the ground like me. Um, you know, I, I could shoot the ball. I got fadeaways. You know, I got left hand, right hand, you know, floaters, hooks, sweeping hooks. You know, I got everything. So um, I play defense. I block shots. I yeah. just feel like I'm a, I'm a one of one. No doubt. I mean, was your was your like growth spurt just like sporadic or, you know, how how did that ultimately? Like, nah, I've been, just, like, I've been, calling, my, I've been okay. calling my whole life, man. OK. Uh, my favorite player was this Allen Iverson growing up. You know, mm -hmm. my mom, she always tells people these stories, I used to just lock myself in the bathroom and, you know, just bounce the ball around. And she would just be beating on the door until I felt <laughs> like opening it. And that's nuts. Your handles are insane. Um, just nuts, which, I mean, you know, you've worked on it for so long. But just nuts for, like, you know, someone as tall as you are. I mean, I, I think about someone like me, like six foot, like just struggling to do that. Obviously, I don't practice every day, but struggling to do that even from a six foot standing high. So just nuts. Like, uh, love to watch your game. And uh, excited to watch you next year play for enemies. Last thing I want to touch on here, I know that you have the Isaiah Austin Foundation that you started back um, a little while ago, but want to give you a floor to kind of plug anything um, along with your foundation that you might be working on or doing that you want people to know about. Yeah, actually, uh, right now the foundation has been put to a, a standstill um, just because I have so many other things that I'm, I'm doing right now, you know, with my family. Um, I really wanted this year when I took off of basketball to just focus on being there for my family, being there for my son, for my fiance, you know, and just spending quality time with them that I had missed um, while playing overseas. So um, hopefully, you know, eventually one day I'll, I'll pick it back up. But right now I've just been focusing on my career in the league, um, trying to help as many people as I can and, you know, just being the best father and, and man that I can be. Yeah, no doubt. In a sense, like you, that is the foundation, right? You're still helping people and, you know, whether it's personal relationships or professional. So still really cool to see. But thanks again for coming on the show. Best of luck during this NBA season um, as you continue to further along in your career and excited for next summer. I appreciate you, man. Yes, sir. Well, that was our interview with Zeke Isaiah Austin. Just want to say thank you again to him for coming on. Uh, a guy that I admire for a really long time. So it was super dope. Not only the, the first time he followed the fourth main account, but also too, just for him to be, you know, respond to me after asking him to come on. He was super nice about it and really enjoyed the conversation. It's it's so crazy, you know, what he's been able to accomplish. And it's just exciting to see, you know, him be a part of this league. And, you know, not only now, but going forward, I hope he is on this enemy's team when they eventually are able to, you know, kind of get over that hump, get over that 500 record. And, you know, hopefully this year, this upcoming year, make the playoffs. That'd be super cool. But thanks again, Isaiah, for coming on. Also, just want to give a big shout out to you guys for continuing to listen. I know that the big three off season is the longest off season in, you know, professional sports era. However, a lot can occur there. And so I appreciate you guys sticking with me again. I try to make sure that not only are we talking about the big three, and updating you on what's going on within the league. But I also want you guys to, you know, kind of 
understand and know what the players are doing during the offseason. These guys have a lot of ventures outside of basketball and also have a lot of ventures within basketball. So it's cool to follow their journeys, especially the guys that we've come to admire that maybe don't have the you know most prominent names or might not be as well known to others outside of the basketball community or, you know, maybe to the casuals, you know, to put it, man, I'm signing off, to put it more hip, I guess, in that way. But thanks again for tuning in. Make sure you're following and subscribe on YouTube. And we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.